Hey, it's Michael, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. I'll be back in a minute with this week's conversation about resilience. But first, if you wish to create a better life and have a better career, then please visit michaelobrienshift.com and download your free workbook on how to create a better life. In it, you'll discover ways to find more energy for the things and the people who matter most to you so you can create a better tomorrow. Hey there, it's Michael. Welcome back or welcome to the Consumer Podcast. It's time for another conversation about resilience. And today's guest will inspire you. He has a beautiful story of resilience. At the top of the year, I promise to bring you more guests so you can learn from others how to become more resilient, to be inspired, to be motivated. And when I first heard our guest's story, I was all that. His story really resonated because it was similar to mine. We share some professional experience. We're both coaches today. As you know, I had my moment, my last bad day, my near-death cycling accident, and our guest had his moment. But instead of staying victim to it, he decided to do something about it. He wanted to change how we work together, how we lead. He, along with myself, and I'm sure you, know that if we can change how we work together, we will change how we live together. And let's be honest, we need to do both. We need to, well, well, that's all three. We need to change how we lead, work, and live together so we can create a better tomorrow. We haven't gone through all this just to go back to how it used to be. We have a real opportunity. Scars, wrinkles, blemishes, and all, in that Kintsugi spirit that we can be fragile and strong at the same time. We might break, yes, but we can be put back together more beautifully. That's the spirit of Kintsugi, to share those experiences with others. It takes courage, yes. It takes vulnerability, yes. But it's so important for us to build the type of work cultures and societies I think we all want to work and live in. And our guest today is doing just that. Now, he's from Boston, but if he lived in New York, we would call him a mensch. He brings this wonderful combination of warmth and competence together, which ultimately leads to trust. I think you'll hear it in his voice as he shares his story, the warmth, his sense of humor, but also his wisdom, how he wants to shape how leaders lead and how people live. He's also a practitioner of IPEC, something called energy leadership, which I'm also a fan of. Really, it's all about how do you wish to show up in the world? Because at the end of the day, we're all energy. And how we show up, there's a ripple effect. There's a cascade, if you will. Our energy resonates. And the higher we can get, the more connections we can make, and therefore the more impact and influence we can make in the world. And that's what he does day in and day out, trying to help leaders reach a different level of energy, of vibration, if you will. So I hope you have your coffee or tea so you can sit back and listen to our interview with today's guest, Tony Martinetti, who is the founder of Inspired Purpose Coaching. If you're out for a walk, soak in the rays. If you're out for a drive as you listen, drive safely, but enjoy your mobility. So let's sit back and soak in Tony's inspiration. And I'll be back after the interview to recap this week's conversation about resilience. Enjoy your time with Tony. So here you go. 
Tony, thanks for joining us on the Kintsugi Podcast. Thanks for holding space for us today. So we'll start here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so thrilled to be here. That's great. I'm, I'm so looking forward to our conversation. I love the work that you're doing. I love the energy you bring and your own personal story. So I want to start there for our audience. Like, can you take us back to that moment where you had, we'll call it your aha, we'll call it, you could call it your shift, that wake up call. Cause I know you were doing, you were doing the hamster wheel dance that a lot of corporate people were doing. And then you had a moment where you're like, I can't go on. There's got to be a better way. And I'm hoping that you could bring us back to that, that moment, that moment of awareness and just explain sort of what was happening as, as folks get to know you a bit better. Yeah, I appreciate it. There's an element of like, there are a lot of clues that led up to that moment and I had chosen to ignore them. <laughs> so you ignore the clues until they become so loud that you cannot ignore them any longer. And that moment was, you know, when I was sitting in a, you know, a boardroom of, a, you know, a biotech company I was working with and, you know, realizing that I look around the room, there's like 40 people in the room and everyone's looking down on their cell phones and checked out and, you know, they're just not engaged. And meanwhile, they're, you know, this, the C-suite is, is having conversations with about who's right and who's wrong about a particular topic. And it felt very much like here are these people who have this opportunity to be leaders, to inspire, to use the gift uh, that has been given to them to lead these people to create game-changing therapies. And I felt as though they were squandering it. I said to myself, like, well, I'll make, I'm collecting a really healthy paycheck. No disclosures there, but I was getting paid really well to be in this room. And I felt like my time was being wasted. I didn't feel fulfilled inside. I didn't, I felt empty, to be honest with you. Um, and I said to myself, like, you know what? I think I'm done. I think I'm done playing this game that I was fooling myself that I was doing something meaningful in life, that I need to do something that really I'm meant to be doing. And so I said to myself, when I look at these leaders, they've got to be woken up. They've got to be woken to the fact that um, that gift that they have is supposed to be used to change the way people um, are showing up, to change the way that we lead in the world. And so I said, I'm going to walk out. <laughs> and I walked out of the room and I said, I'm going to leave the room to change the room. I didn't know how that was going to be. I didn't have a plan. Um, I just knew that whatever it was going to be, it was going to be so much more powerful than what I was doing in that moment. And that's what was my story. Wow, that's great. In healthcare, this is the thing that sorry, can get my blood percolating. Because mm. that's the industry I came in uh, from, in from. The purpose of the industry is to provide the gift of health, which is one of the most precious gifts that we can provide. But meanwhile, behind the scenes, there are so many, usually men, yeah. fighting for turf and losing sight of the real purpose of the industry. It's this catabolic battle of who's right and who's wrong and whose turf are you going to grab to you know, pursue domination within the company. And we lose sight of our health, which is the thing we cherish so deeply, but also take for granted. And I, I saw that firsthand. So 
what you just shared really resonated. I, I want to go back to what you said though up front is that you were getting signs and you were just blowing past them. Yes. So were you conscious that you were getting signs or signals that, hey, Tony, the path you're going down, not necessarily the right path. Was it yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I see you and I don't have time for you? Or was it, I don't even see you? Or maybe mm. it was a little bit of a combination of both. Well, it's there were there were signs that um, definitely were, there were very visible signs, I should say, because I had gone down this path where I started to have um, depression and, um, you know, clinical, I mean, I was diagnosed with depression and, you know, really burnt out because I was putting in more hours than I, I really should have. I was spending less and less time with my family, less and less time taking care of myself. And, you know, uh, spending time with friends. I mean, what was that? You know, you start to kind of have the singular focus of whatever, whatever the job requires, you just give it that. And if it meant working late hours, getting up early, working weekends, that's what I did. And I gave it. And um, all of my identity was wrapped up in this one thing of serving um, that one goal of, you know, what do I need to to maintain this image of perfection in the in the work? And I don't I think I was fooling myself to think that I actually was giving that off, that I was perfect. Yeah. Well, we're all like serving in Kintsugi spirit. We're all perfectly imperfect. And so you were probably putting in what, like about 70 hours a week? Yeah, I think that might be even understating it. But yes, yeah, that's exactly the, the uh, segment, at least 70 hours a week. Um, and, you know, do, making all the mistakes that people make, like oftentimes feeling like I'm the one who does it right, so I'll do it. Um, I felt like the martyr at times. And, you know, that mentality, which often happens to overachievers, you feel as though like I'll suffer in, um, for the sake of others. Um, I'll take the bullet for this one because I'm doing it anyways. I'll just go ahead and move forward, keep on pushing on. I often think about this analogy of mountains because, you know, I'm writing this book about, you know, climbing the right mountain. And the thought is that like, you know, uh, I'll just keep on climbing and, you know, just on that bend, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy when I get there. I'll be happy when I get to that next ledge. Um, so why not just like, uh, just suck it up and keep on moving. That was me. And then when you get there and you realize, oh my gosh, what did I do? This is not worth it. This was not worth the climb. It was, uh, that was the, the rude awakening that I started to have. Um, and that moment in the boardroom was that rude awakening that I finally came to realization, all those things I suffered for, I don't know, there wasn't all that great. <laughs> so I, I totally hear you because the thing is, I love the analogy about climbing that mountain because I too was a former chaser of my happiness. And so I imagine you have felt, you felt back in the day, you climbed the mountain, you got to the peak, you thought it was the highest peak and you got to the top of the mountain and you look out, you know, on the top of the mountain, all thrilled, you've caught it, you've climbed, you've gotten to the pinnacle. And then you look around, you realize that there are other peaks yeah. that are higher than yours and there are people on it. So hello, comparison. So you're yeah. like, oh, wow, I really haven't made it. I got to go climb that peak. And yeah. then you get to that one. Oh, I got to climb that peak. And then you're never, you never get to a moment where you're just being and you yeah. are 
So true. You you are you you realize that you're full right now. Yeah. But you can be full right now and still be driven because you still want to have an impact, but it's coming from a completely different place in your mind, body, and soul. And and I love that you say that because it's exactly the feeling that, you know, really I come to realize is that it's not about like not being driven and not wanting something big for your life. And that's what I want to make people make sure people understand is is like it's not like, oh well, well then don't climb the mountain and just like stay where you are and you know, whatever, be happy. No, it's about really climbing for the right reasons, like figuring out why you want that thing, you know, and, and then also um, come from a place of being satisfied and fulfilled in who you are at this current moment and not, and not only saying like, oh, well, I won't be happy until I get there. No, beautiful, beautiful. So I have a question for you that I often get because mm. you know my story and the listeners know my story. And I often get this after my talks. It's like, well, Michael, do you need to do you need to have like your last bad day moment in order to have the awareness and the maybe the desire, the grit to change? Mm. Like, what about if you don't have that big moment? And you've had your big moment. You you were suffering from depression. You had burnout. You you had you sorry hit rock bottom in that meeting. So the work that you do and just your life experience and your career experience. How would you answer that question? Does someone need that? like low moment in order to make a different type of change? Or is this more upstream and becoming more aware of these little micro moments hmm. and catching those and using those as a spark to change? Like, I'd love to get your sense of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that's um, a great insight because I think there's an element behind this that is you don't have to wait for the breakdown or the, you know, that pinnacle moment to, to turn your life around or to make a shift. I often talk to people about how your life is a research laboratory and you should be treating it like everything that you go through, everything that you're experiencing is an opportunity to observe and make experiments. Um, and so when uh, there were a lot of things that led up to the, the moments of burnout where people would say to me, oh, like, because I worked in finance and strategy in the, in the biotech space, people would say to me like, wow, you're not the typical person who works in finance. Like you have this thing about you where you really care and want to understand people. Like I had this anthropological way about me that I wanted to sit back and observe the way people operated, how cultures evolved. And I would devour books like that, you know? And so there's something about the way I was being that people used to always observe. And of course, what did I do? Head down, barrel forward. And I, that's the signal. That's the message here is to basically get people to see that don't wait till the, the moment of, you know, the Scarlet O'Hara moment where you're kind of yelling, you know, this is the moment. Instead, look for the clues as they're coming along and saying, what is this telling me? And if it's telling you something, don't like completely change course and like jump into some new area like don't burn the bridges and then just like don't burn the boats and go off and do something different. Burn all the boats. I'm like, like I get that about commitment, but I'm like, it doesn't give you many options sometimes. So, you know, but we love our, we love our one-liners in social media. It makes things so neat and in a nice package, but like life's not that way. It's like life has not lived through a bunch of memes. You know, it's, it's messy. Um, but I love what you said, Tony, just around 
like paying attention to your life, having awareness of these moments. And why do these moments show up for you? Um, I just love that. Easier said than done too. I mean, I think that's the thing is that's why it doesn't happen quite like, uh, you know, I wasn't paying attention. And I think a lot of people go through life kind of on autopilot in, in many ways because they're not doing these things. They're not having what I call honest conversations with themselves and digging into the, you know, the moments where they can say like, what is really real for me right now? I love it. So let's pick up your story where we left it. So you leave the conference room. You're going to change the meeting by walking out of the meeting. Yeah. Then what happens? Do you call your wife to say, hey, listen, I just left the meeting and honey, we got to talk tonight over dinner. Like what happens next in your story? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, my wife is probably the most supportive person I've ever, um, I've ever met. Um, so honored to have her um, on my side because she totally is like ready for anything that I, you know, I bring her way. And I came home, you know, basically said like, it's time for me to really, you know, explore what's next. I've always, I come from an entrepreneurial background of my, my family is, um, my dad was always starting new things and always kind of, taking leaps. And I had it in my blood that this was something that was going to be okay for me. I had to get clarity about what that was going to look like though. And I just had to, at that moment, say, what am I going to, how am I going to do this? Coaching started to go off in my head because although I hadn't had a lot of experience with coaching, I had only worked with a coach um, only recently at that point, um, I started to see something about that, that experience that really um, resonated with me. And my first foray was actually more of a failed attempt in coaching, which was to be more of a a business coach. And it was more of like, how can I help you with the bottom line? How can I, you know, improve your business and such and such and such. And that's all great and everything, but it wasn't me. I had to commit to the process of really understanding who I was, the inner work of um, exploring who I am and what I'm meant to be doing before I could literally do the thing that I'm doing today, which is more about the deep inner exploration of people um, that allows them to explore that and then come out and be powerful in the world. Very cool. So share with us how you did that. So you had your moment, like we got to do some inner work, honey. We're going to go for a different type of journey. And she's like, Tony, I love you. Like, I'm behind you. I'm in front of you. I'm by your side. And you're like, we got to do some inner work. How did you get that done? Like, so especially for people who are like, yeah, Tony, that w- what you're describing is my life today. Because there's a whole bunch of people right now probably listening to this on their hamster wheel. They haven't yet lived life with much awareness. They don't know how to like get off the throughway. They've heard about inner work, but they don't know how to start. So where did you start on this part, this part of this journey? Yeah. So the first thing I did was I started to write down some of the things that, I, that really have been important to me in my life. What were the values that came true to me? And I started to ask those questions that I've often just kind of like glanced over. Like, who am I really? What am I really meant to be doing in this world? And I started to really explore them in a journal. Journaling is a very powerful tool that most people 
overlook because it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know what to write. And then you have this perfection wheel showing up where you're like, well, if I write, it's got to be perfect. No, this is for you to be messy and imperfect. So you get in there and you start writing things about yourself, about your experience. What are the things that have um, been your victories? What are the things that have made you who you are up to this point? Sometimes even reflecting on your own story can bring out some of the nuggets that you need to move forward powerfully. And um, that was the starting point. Um, and also, I wasn't afraid to start taking action, which was um, the other part of this. Even if I were to make a mistake, I got so comfortable with just like, uh, if I took one step, like having a conversation with somebody about, you know, having a coaching conversation without having like full understanding of how I was going to do this, I would just do it and see what happened. Um, and before you know it, I got confident about doing this. And that's where um, more and more you start showing up differently because of the experience that you have. Um, and the certifications, I think that was one thing that really helped me to say, it gave me the confidence and the tools to be able to say, this is how I can do this. So it's experimenting, like I said earlier, continuing to experiment, continuing to dig deep, continuing to take different leaps I shouldn't say leave small steps into different places that really helped me to discover what I was doing in the world. I love how you've grabbed onto curiosity to help you with this journey. Because when we're curious, it's hard to be in a state of judgment. And let's be honest, we judge ourselves probably more frequently and certainly more harshly than we want to admit, we tend to like judge others, but that's just, as you know, that's just our body armor. So we don't have mm -hmm. to judge ourselves or pretend that we're not judging ourselves. So I love the notion of just being curious with who mm -hmm. you were, who you are. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, it's because of the whole Kintsugi concept, like, you know, we're sort of in love with our scars and our wrinkles and our gray hairs or, or no hair, less hair, you know, no hair in your case. <laughs> So what do your scars say about you today? Like what, what story do your scars say about you? Yeah. Well, first of all, there's this element of like, um, I, was in, I was addicted to doing. I was constantly in motion. And slowing down for me was like dying, to be completely honest with you. And now I've come to embrace that. And seeing that in, those, in the slowness there is so much power. In the silence, there's power. And um, there's a lot of paradoxes in, in the world that we can embrace that people don't quite understand. Like when you slow down, you do truly speed up. And I had to hear that like about a million times before I truly embraced that. And that was what I needed to hear. That's what I need to embrace to become the person I am today. Um, the being versus doing paradigm that we often get stuck in. Um, that was where I had to really change how I showed up. And one of my favorite things um, that I, you know, as an entrepreneur and as someone who is creating a new business for himself, something that I'd never done before, I had to get into the mindset of amateurs compete and professionals create. And I love that mentality because it gets us out of that scarcity mode and more into that um, abundance mode because... If you think about like how 
how am I going to get clients? How am I going to get people to show up in my door? Um, then you get paralyzed by the fact that you got to do more. But when you think about other people who are doing the same, same thing you are, how can you connect with them, you know, learn from them, you know, partner with them, or even other people who are in different industries, collaborate with them, um, create a bigger game. Don't try to like make the pie, you know, compete with the same pie. I love that. And because it, it's so easy for those that have taken the entrepreneurial leap mm. is to compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Absolutely. And you, you start this and check me if this is not the case for you, but you left the corporate world and let's be fair. You left the corporate world with a pretty nice paycheck. I'm assuming your paycheck was a lot bigger than you ever thought you would make coming out of college. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you were having a pretty good lifestyle. So you have a little bit of a cushion there to start your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Nevertheless, you want to make an impact. You want to do a good job. Yeah. You want to serve. You know, part of it is still that identity. Like I'm going to do good work and I matter and I have value and all that jazz. And then you go out there into the coaching world and you see a whole bunch of people who are like, they look like they're crushing it. And you're like, oh, that they're crushing it doing that. Maybe I should do that. Mm. And then, oh, that person's crushing it, doing something a little bit different than that. They're doing this. I should like, well, I'll take a little bit of this and mix it with that. Yeah. And then if you start collecting about 10 or 20 of those, they're in their middle and you're in your beginning. And then all, all of a sudden you lose your identity of who you are. Mm. And we tend to do this not only as we make entrepreneurial leaps, but I think we make this a lot because not to throw shade on social media, Social media gives us this ripe environment to do a lot of comparison. I, I just this one thing that you made me think about, which I just is, um, it's advice that I actually got from my parents, which um, have now are, um, are no longer with us. But there was this element of like running your own race and planting your own seeds, tending to your own garden. That's, that was the word um, that they used. And I love that because it was so timely. I mean, this is going back many years but when you think about where we are today, many of us are str struggling with that, like, you know, tending to our own garden, you know, focusing on what we do um, as opposed to what everyone else is doing. And you can do it your own way. Um, I think this advice came to me because I was a creative child who like loved to do art and do all, you know, I was very successful at it. But then I moved towards this world of finance and, you know, science, I was a pre-med major and what have you. And then I fell into this trap of like, this is what society, you know, is, expects of us. But now as a coach, I want to do things my way in my own, you know, path so that I can create something that I want to, that I love, that I find fulfillment in. And so that, if that means that everyone else is going left, doesn't mean that I'm always going to go right, but I'm going to make a decision as to whether or not this fulfills me in that way. And I'll make a decision based on that. That's so beautiful. And your parents are still with us. They're just in a different form because we're, all, after all, we're all energy, right? So yeah, I love it. Just, the, the form in which our energy is stored right now, it's in our bodies, but it changes. So yeah. we, the energy is, is all around us. So many people out there, they don't want to make that leap from mm -hmm. corporate life to being an entrepreneur. Like you had the courage to do it, you had the means to do it, but let's just say someone 
is in an office. They're on a Zoom because they're not in a cubicle, yeah. most likely. They're also going through some of the things that you went through in that early part of your career to say, hey, I'm close to burnout because a whole bunch of people are because we we haven't paced ourselves well through this global pandemic. I'd like to say that COVID, I, I said this back in March, April, COVID is more like a triathlon than a marathon. We've all heard the statement, like life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. I was like, COVID's like a triathlon, not a marathon. It's going to come in phases and it's going to be much longer than a marathon. And, you know, I hate to say that that analogy was, was apt because it's sort of playing out that way. But we, I think we burned a whole bunch of calories in the beginning part of our triathlon. So on the swim, and now we're close to burnout. I know many people are in corporate life because we wonder how much longer will this go on? So here we are, we have global pandemic, still Zooming, maybe not the best corporate environment. You have people sort of fighting for turf. They don't want to become a coach. They don't want to go freelance and do an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey thing. Where would you recommend that they begin? So they maybe yeah. they're listening to this conversation and like, okay, that's the light bulb I needed. Like I now have awareness. So this is one of these moments where like I just stumbled on this podcast. Hmm. And instead of waiting for, for myself to hit rock bottom, I might take this as a sign that I need to make a shift. And what yeah. advice would you have them now in this moment coming off their this listen for them? Yeah, and I'm going to start with something that may or may not like um, uh, connect immediately with people, but it's it's a starting point. So looking for signs of what lights you up is is something important for people to to look for in their lives. And often that's hard because right now people are feeling a little bit like, okay, well, you know, this is kind of like it's dragging on. But there are things in your life that. Uh, initially drew you to the work you're doing or to the life that you're leading. And if you're not seeing those those inspiration points or the things that that light you up, start seeking them out. Have conversations with people that are not about the conversations you've been having. Look for conversations that are going to take you a step deeper than you normally have. Because those are the things that are going to bring you more depth of understanding of what you're meant to be doing next or what you're meant to be doing now. Um, that's where the gold is. Um, I used to have these conversations in my corporate life, but also in my current life called curiosity conversations. And those conversations are not meant to have this, you know, uh, the takeaway is not an agenda. Like I'm not coming out of it to say like, I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for something specific. It's more about how can I deeply understand what this person's life is like? You know, what is their experience in the world? Um, and by doing so, you come away with a better understanding yourself. Um, so those conversations, and to come back to your point, um, are what people could have now. Uh, commit to having more deeper conversations so that you can have a better understanding of what you need now. Um, and through that, deepen your understanding of what inspires you to do the work you're doing. Um, recommitting to the work you're doing, if that's what the case is. Or... If you find that the work you're doing is not what you're meant to be doing going forward, maybe it's time to shift, change the environment you're in, think about a different path. And that does not mean always entrepreneurial path, because this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no, it certainly is not. It's a, you're still, um, you're hustling, but you're hustling with more, um, you know, peace and harmony in your life. And I know you're on this new social app called Clubhouse, as am yes. I. 
Yeah. And I'm not sure how much time you spent on it, but I would say that for those, because I love these whole curiosity conversations, yeah. we can do them within our company. We can do them sort of outside the company. But I think Clubhouse does give people a chance to listen in on some conversations mm. and connect with people across the planet and just get curious as far as what lights them up. They can join the conversation and just listen in. It's, it's, it's sort yeah. of, I think, fabulous that way. Uh, something new. Right now, it's only an iOS type of app. It's not mm -hmm. open to Android. But for those that are on Apple, they they can use that to sort of spark their yeah. curiosity conversations. So, but you're not, you're, I know you're on it, but you haven't really played with it much. No, no, I'm not, I'm not like deep into it, but I think that it is a great, I think it's a great concept. And I think it's something that, you know, any modality is going to get people talking and not just tweeting or, you know, back and forth on email. Um, I, I support, I think there's an element of wanting people to have more conversations that's, that promotes connection. And one part of this, and I don't want to take up too much space on this, is that we get on a lot of Zooms and I don't want this to be just about like, oh, more Zooms. We want that. We want one-on-one -on -one connections for people to really have conversations that are deeper, not just like um, talking work and not just you know, the, the surface level, level one conversations. We're talking about things that go really deep into, you know, what, it, what really is lighting you up? What is it that you really care about? What are the things you stand for? I don't think many people even think about those things. You know, some people know their values. Uh, fewer people know their red lines to say, hey, what, or what are you willing to speak up for too? Yeah. I think in this moment of greater social justice or injustice, would you say, would you speak up for and stick your neck out for mm. uh, those causes? You know, if you have privilege and we all have some level of privilege, it's also a relative, but what would you risk your privilege for to help other folks who may have voices that have been marginalized in the past or even currently marginalized. So I think that's that's a great tip, Tony, as far as like diving deep there. I know part of your journey too was you've done some breath work or some mindfulness meditation work. And certainly the whole concept of slow is the new fast or slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That whole concept I just love because as you know, I'm trying to get people to pause, breathe and reflect more. That was a big thing for me when I felt overwhelmed through my recovery and through my career, I would just slow it down, pause, breathe, reflect. So love for you to share like what your journey has been with mindfulness and meditation and the impact it's made on your life. Yeah, I mean, so um, I'll, I'll tell two quick things about that. So first and foremost, in when I started to have those, that deep, dark moment of like being burnt out and, um, you know, having, when I was at the, you know, the nadir, if you will, of um, my experience, I was grasping for straws and trying to find ways to come up under that, you know, um, over that. And that's when I first started dabbling in the world of, of meditation. And I have to admit, it was a real um, eye-opener for me. I experienced something that I never thought I would. I was really feeling much better from that. It wasn't the, the, the didn't solve all my problems, but it was definitely a help. I went deeper when I had a chance to go to, I traveled to India for about a month 
and I spent some time with um, a yoga teacher and as, as well as a meditation teacher, actually a former Wall Street guy who took me on this trip with him, um, but he's now a famous meditation teacher. And we traveled all over Northern uh, India and uh, we spent some time in an ashram. And um, it was really powerful because I got to see how to really slow down in places that are very chaotic at times, but also very peaceful in certain areas of the, um, the country. So that experience really deepened my practice um, and has got me to, to see the world much bigger. That's great. And so what's your practice like now? And also just curious, who do you follow? Who's, who serves as inspirations or mentors for you today with your practice? So um, some of the people I follow are, I, I love David G. Um, he's really an, a, an interesting character, just has a different way of, of doing things. I also like people who have, um, who have quicker meditation practices because there's no sense, you don't have to be sitting on a pillow for, for hours on end. I find that there's like this five minutes and like, and less is a way to bring yourself to get present. Um, and I think those are the types of meditations that I love. So those are the, you know, there's a few people I can recommend in that space. That's really where I'm at now as I really kind of keep things, you know, quick and to the point. And occasionally I'll go deeper on a weekend because that's when I have a little more time. Absolutely. We hopefully, yeah, I'll have a little bit more time on the weekend. And I'm right there with you, Tony. I think sitting for a bit, you know, the meditation teacher that I'm currently working with, she'll, she'll sit for two hours. She's, mm -hmm. And she'll also say, listen, I don't have children. I teach meditation for a living. I have time to sit for two hours. Yeah. You sit for as long as you need to sit or you can sit. And so I think a lot of folks, what I love, there's a lot great adoption of Headspace and Calm or the 10% Happier app. And there's a whole number of them, right? And they're, they're all good in their own right. And we sit for 10 minutes, we might sit for 20. For me, the advice what I discovered through my journey is that that's all, that's great. You know, that's certainly better than not doing anything. And I also will say, disclaimer, meditation isn't for everyone. For some people, it's contraindicated. So, you know, be smart before you pursue it. But what I think the next phase is, is taking our mindfulness practice off our mat and weaving it through our day. And that's, for me, that was what pause, breathe, reflect was all about, was having micro doses of, uh, not the other stuff, but mindfulness, micro doses of, you know, just connecting with our breath, reflect so we can be a little bit more thoughtful on our next step or the next thing we say, or maybe even reflect on what we're grateful for, or the tools that we have, or the people in our lives, you name it, and doing many of those throughout the day as a way to process whatever baggage we're putting in our backpack. So when we get to the end of the day and we want to have the energy for the people that we care the most about, our family, that we can be present with them. So um, I, love, I love that concept of just doing like the quick hits during the day, how that, that has become your practice. That's awesome. I mean, I think it just comes back to this, you know, I remember, you know, and I still hear from a lot of these people I coach is that, um, you know, the being booked back to back to back meetings. And then like, you know, you go to one meeting and you're like, okay, what is this about? <laughs> you're just showing up and you're just like a body in a meeting. It's like, how can you bring yourself into a meeting? Well, 
build five minutes of time between these meetings and just get yourself present. And, you know, that pause, breathe, reflect is like the perfect way to do that. It's like, step away from your last meeting, give yourself some space to become like, you know, you again. And then you enter that meeting from a place of like presence and power. Absolutely. I, to this day, I'm still somewhat perplexed by how many people still default to that hour-long meeting where we have we have so much say in our lives, so much agency, and we don't have to default to an hour. And then we go, to your point, hour by hour, eight to nine, nine to 10, so forth and so on throughout the whole day. If we just made those 50 minutes, that would give you five minutes to check your email to make sure that there's not any forest fires, a few minutes to go to the restroom, get some water because hydration is important. And then you got two minutes to like pause, breathe, reflect. So then you can show up to the next meeting with some intentionality, some purpose, because that meeting is going to be different than the previous meeting. At least I hope so. So I know I love what you what you had to say about that. So um, we're going to get you out on these final questions. So one, what is resilience? How would you answer that? Yeah. So when I think of resilience, I think of resilience as being this, um, you know, the ability to recover from like the situ- situations in life that that call us to be someone different. And and by doing that, by calling us to be someone different, it changes us in a little way and creates something more of us. It makes us to become, it calls us to be someone more in our lives. So I don't know, there's something about that, that, you know, calling us to be something more in our lives. And it's actually creating more of who we are already. It's just, um, it's like the call to action almost in the hero's journey. We are, you know, resilience is that element of like, okay, this challenge is now calling you out to be the hero of your own journey. I love that. I love that definition. It's so hopeful and it's still like, you're still driving forward. Yeah. And this has such great promise. Mm. So love that definition. So your company inspired purpose coaching so where can people find you? But also tell us a little bit about the type of work that you do if people want to in- inquire. So I know at, at, at the end of every podcast, we're like, tell us how you people can reach you. So we're going to answer that question because we're, we're going to do that. But, you know, there's a thing called Google. So people could probably do that anyway. I, I want you to share why should someone reach out to you? Yes. So what type of work do you do and the impact that you make? Yeah. So uh, I'll just start by saying, yeah, where can you find me? Well, Inspired Purpose Coach, inspiredpurposecoach.com. So you can find me there. Um, but the work that I do, and there's a couple of different ways that I work. First of all, I do work mostly one-on-one, but I do a lot of work with teams as well and groups. Um, the work that I do, the reason people call out to me is because of the fact that I get them unstuck when they need to see new possibilities in their lives. Uh, One of the things that is one of my gifts is I really allow people to see things bigger than they they have in the past. And I know that um, inspiration is is part of my my lexicon and it's there for a reason because I inspire people to see something that they haven't seen already. I get them to think bigger um, around their lives, not just in the world, but in their lives particularly and I, and I get them to embrace their own unique style of leadership, not to change who they are, but to embrace who they are that's inside of them and unlock that. I love that. 
I love that. So that's the reason, folks, you should contact Tony. We'll put your website into the show notes in case anyone missed it or if anyone can't use Google so or any of that jazz. So if the server's down or the Wi-Fi's missing and all like that, we'll find a way for people to reach out to you. So Tony, thanks for joining us on the Kintsugi Podcast and talking about your story, your journey, and what resilience means to you. So thank you, brother, for joining us. My honor. Thank you. No problem. Have fun storming the castle. Hey, everyone. It's Michael. Don't you love Tony? His warmth, the pace of his voice, his competence, all that beautiful energy creates trust. And his trust is changing how we live, work, lead. It's helping us create a better tomorrow, which is so fantastic because, as I mentioned up front, we have this amazing opportunity to do so. If you're listening to the Kintsugi Podcast, you want to be put back together more beautifully. Yes, we break, but in the spirit of Kintsugi, blemishes and wrinkles and scars and all, we can become more beautiful. We've gone through a lot over the last 12 months. I don't want to go back to how we used to be. I don't want to go back to normal. I want to create with you a better normal. And so does Tony. So I hope you'll visit his website. I hope you'll connect with him on social media. I hope you'll do all of that to put another wonderful person in your Peloton. And speaking of connecting with other people, I wanted to let you know I've been playing with the new social media app called Clubhouse. It's all audio. We now have an official club on the app called the Pause, Breathe, and Reflect Club. We do some short little mini meditations through the week. We have a room that I host at the end of the week called the Pause, Breathe, and Reflect Room, 4 p.m. Eastern, just to let it all go, to celebrate our wins. And we do something every Tuesday night, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern. We have a Kintsugi conversation. And in these conversations, we share our stories of resilience to inspire others. And so far, I've been blown away by some of the stories I've heard. Within our communities all over the world, we just have a lot of strength. And that gives me a lot of hope and a lot of optimism. So if you're on Clubhouse, please join us. Please join the club. If you're not on Clubhouse and you want to get an invite, let me know. I can see what I can do. I have some laying around for some special friends of the Kintsugi podcast. So again, I hope you'll join us there on Clubhouse. I hope you'll go to wherever you might be listening to the Kintsugi podcast and leave a comment, subscribe, perhaps share with your Peloton. And next week, we'll be back with another conversation about resilience. But until then, I encourage you to pause, breathe, and reflect so you can savor your moments because life is all about how we use our moments And as always, don't forget to have fun storming the castle. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.